Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you listening today. Taking a little bit of time off uh, due to my Golf Channel uh, duties this summer. Been a very busy summer of golf, and it's hard to believe uh, the summer has gone by and the college golf season has started. So I uh, look forward to uh, some of our future guests, and we've got uh, some good ones on there, and we've got a good one uh, this week. Ryan Cabbage, the head coach of the men's golf team in Charlotte. He's been on our podcast before, and he makes a return. And uh, they started their season in Knoxville at Tennessee's uh, home tournament, uh, where they finished 12th. Uh, maybe not the week they would have wanted, and it was won by the Volunteers uh, who beat Ole Miss by one and what uh, so shot some really low numbers. So I uh, look forward to having Ryan back on the podcast. He's in his 13th season, and uh, we'll get him on the line just in a minute. Well, the college golf season started for the 2023-24 season, and I wanted to bring back my good friend Ryan Cabbage. He's the men's coach at Charlotte. He's been on the podcast, as we've known, 13th season. Now at Charlotte at the helm. They've already started their season. They uh, finished 12th at the season opener in Knoxville at the Tennessee National, and that was won by the Tennessee Volunteers over Ole Miss by one shot. Saw some low numbers there. I've played that golf course. Not that easy. But let's welcome Ryan back to the uh, podcast. Ryan, appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you for the uh, for the opportunity, Jim. Always enjoy uh, hopping on and, and chatting with you for a little bit. Can you believe we've, the summer's gone and you've already played an event? Yeah, as I said to someone the other day, I felt like we had just gotten back from from the NCAA regional last year out at the institute on the on the west coast, and I felt like just when you kind of catch your breath uh, through the summer, next thing you know, it's uh, all right. When are the freshmen moving in, and when are the the returning guys coming back to campus, and and, and here we go again, but uh, back at it and, and excited for another season for sure. Let's talk about the regionals. Uh, y'all didn't quite get through there, but you had you know a pretty good round or two going, and uh, you've lost some guys. Uh, tell us the guys you that have graduated, and tell us a little bit about that experience at the regionals last year. So we were out in, in San Jose at the Institute in a phenomenal golf course. Uh, it was really good. It was interesting because – you know, for the first time, uh, we had a group of coaches showing up for an NCAA regional, really at a golf course that no one knew that much about. And, and so, for those teams that were uh, were designated to go to San Jose, I, I think everyone was trying to scurry around and, and try to gather as much information as possible. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a wonderful golf course. It was a great test. Um, you know, I, I think the the cream you know, sort of uh, rose to the top out there, and, and the teams that got through certainly were deserving of that. Uh, we got off to a good start. I think we were maybe tied for third, maybe in fourth place after round one, uh, and then just really struggled, got off to a poor start in round two, uh, and it kind of snowballed a little bit, and, and we really kind of kind of played ourselves out of it in, in that second round and, and tried to get off to a hot start that, that third round, but it just wasn't 
quite meant to be. And, and uh, you know, with, with that, we, we graduated uh, three guys uh, off of that team, uh, a guy named Ben Woodruff, uh, Carson Owenby, and then DJ Park. Uh, DJ was uh, a player of the year in our conference uh, in his junior year. All three of those guys had tremendous careers. And, and so now we, we've got a little bit of, a, a, I guess, a reboot uh, in, in our program at, at this time, because you, you look at the number of events that, that DJ played and then, you know, Carson and Ben, uh, throughout their career and they used their fifth year, uh, with, with COVID. Uh, but the two of them, Carson and Ben both played 45 out of a possible 46 events wow. during their career here at Charlotte. And so it, it was a little different, uh, making the drive to Knoxville the other day with, without, uh, Carson OMB and, and Ben Woodruff in the van with us. Uh, but uh, both those guys are doing great uh, playing professionally, and, and DJ is as well uh, as they kind of start their career. So uh, a little bit of a, a, a new, uh, not only a new season, uh, but like I said, a little bit of a reboot uh, with a lot of new faces running around here. But uh, these young guys are good, and, and uh, we're, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, you won two Conference USA championships with those guys. Uh, you mentioned, and then we'll get back to that uh, conference alignment because you've switched conferences, but you've mentioned the golf course, and you're there for the first time, all the coaches. How do you only really get one practice round in on a golf course that nobody's seen, and how do you prepare? How do you get that kind of quick fix in there uh, and study the golf course enough to so the guys can be prepared to start the round, the next round after practice rounds? Yeah, we, we tried to do as much research as we possibly could, uh, you know, before we got there. Uh, I think maybe Stanford had played the golf course before. I had a chance to speak with Conrad Ray. Uh, there was actually a guy uh, out in California uh, that had caddied, uh, and so he offered to share some information uh, not only with us but with all the coaches, which it was very good information. Uh, but like I said, it was. Uh, I think as coaches, we, we, we kind of fall victim to playing a lot of the same events year after year, and, and so many – you know, conference championships that you mentioned are now going to neutral sites and we're going to the same place year after year. So we're, we're sort of creatures of habit. And I'm sure it was the same way with you playing on the PGA Tour. You know, you, you kind of set that schedule based on golf courses that set up well for your game and this and that. And you, you kind of know the golf course is like the back of your hand. Uh, and, and we did have a couple of regular season events that, that we hadn't played before. And, and I told the guys that, you know, this is an opportunity for us to, to kind of practice doing our homework and, and really researching and spending that five hours in a practice round, really learning the golf course and possible hole locations and so on and so forth. So, um, like I said, we got off to a good start. So I felt like we were, you know, prepared, uh, with that. Uh, but, but ultimately we just didn't execute as well in those final two rounds. But, um, you know, I, I think the guys were in a good spot, you know, going in and we felt like we understood the golf course, now, the golf course did change a little bit. I felt like from round one to round two, it played a little bit softer. Uh, and then they let it, you know, kind of bake out a little bit in that second round. And uh, greens got a lot firmer, got faster. Uh, and and we, didn't, we didn't quite make the adjustment from round one to round two, um, I, I guess, as well as we did from the practice round into round one. Uh, if, if that makes sense, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is and, and, and we'll learn from it. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure those guys, although finishing up with college career, they'll carry that experience on with them as professionals now. Uh, and then these returning guys, uh, you know, we'll have that to kind of lean on, 
uh, when we get to an NCAA regional later this year. Yeah, I think that's true with anybody. Like if you're the junior golfers listening, they're going to a course for the first time. I feel like you almost uber focus better because you're having to concentrate more on, you know, kind of the things. And I think for practice rounds, at least it was for me, I want to lo- learn a golf course. I'm not worried about how I hit it. I know for y'all, we're playing five, six guys uh, in, in the in the group, and that's kind of hard to to feel like you're working on anything with your golf game. But I think it, the most important thing: learn the golf course. Even if you only have that one day, learn the golf course. Learn some of the things. Not learn where the trouble is, but understand where it is. Find out your sight lines and things like that. I think that sometimes helps, uh, even at the college level, like you said, professional level. And I think for the young junior golfers listening as well. But we mentioned that you switch conferences, and uh, you're now the American Athletic Conference, and after nine to ten years at the Conference USA, uh, you know, the sixth conference since 1970, but there's some great competition in the American Athletic Conference and back with some old rivals. Uh, what's the move do for the athletic department and maybe specifically the golf team? Yeah, I, I think for, for the athletic department, uh, you mentioned the, the rivalry with, with now being back in uh, the same conference as East Carolina, so that kind of gives us, you know, an in-state rival that is now a conference rival as well. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that was, you know, maybe missing a little bit with Conference USA. Uh, we were so scattered around the country with the schools in the conference that it was hard to create those rivalries. I think maybe Old Dominion and, and uh, maybe UAB were, were the closest uh, schools within the conference. But but even then, it was hard to create that, that rivalry environment, I guess I would say, uh, you know, whether that be with football, basketball, some of the other you know, sports. And, and so with uh, going back into the American or going into the American with East Carolina uh, gives us that opportunity to, to kind of rekindle uh, that rivalry just a little bit. Uh, you know, with golf, uh, it doesn't change a whole lot for us. Uh, I've always said that really the only time, you know, conference affiliation matters is, is at that conference championship. And, and that's the one week, which is so unlike other sports. But the conference championship is the one week that uh, the conference office actually tells us where we're going to be playing and who we're going to be playing against. Uh, so it doesn't have a great impact uh, in, in regards to that, but it is a, a very good uh, golf conference. You know, South Florida, um, you know, with, with Steve Bradley, he always does a great job with their program there. SMU obviously has a, a great program and a, and a great tradition there. And then we're bringing a lot of really good golf programs from Conference USA over with us to the American as well. So it'll be a very competitive conference championship, and, and I would expect – you know, looking at it, you know, over the course of the, the past, say, 10 to 15 years, uh, you know, I, I think we're probably going to be a three to, to five bid league in, in a lot of years, um, you know, with the with the quality of golf programs that are in the American. Yeah, and we, there's some other things changing quickly uh, in the last year or two. We, we see what the NIL has done in, you know, the big major sports, but it has an effect on the golf. But I think the biggest effect is the transfer portal. Uh, how do y'all keep up with that? Because it seems like, you know, every single month or six months, you know, kids are getting in the transfer portal. Coaches are pulling them out. How do y'all keep up with that? It's, uh, it is a challenge. Uh, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, in this day and age, you, you have to do it. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, the importance in the past was obviously recruiting quality junior golfers, you know, with maybe an occasional transfer um, you know, because it was a lot more difficult for the kids to move from school to school. And now with the ease of, of the transfer portal, uh, it's something that, that has to be monitored on a daily basis. Uh, because if you're, if you're not doing that, you're missing out on some, some quality talent 
that's out there uh, that that's looking to move to a different school for for whatever reason. Uh, but it, it's something that that has to be um, you know. We, we look at junior golf results, and, and now we look at, at college results in the transfer portal uh, just as much, if not more, uh, to, in order to keep up with, uh, with, with the other schools around the country that are doing that. It's got to be tough to build a program and keep the stability and the, uh, that unity uh, with so many changes, isn't it? It, it is, and, and that's something that uh, you, know, you and I have talked enough uh, you know, over the past few years that, that you have a great understanding that I'm – I'm very much a culture guy and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that our program, um, you know, has a, a solid foundation and the kids know what the expectations are and, and, and they know what they're expected to do and the way they're expected to act. And, and, uh, you know, now all of a sudden you have guys that come in and maybe they're only here for one year, uh, or maybe two years. And, and they've been a part of another program where maybe those expectations and those standards aren't the same. Uh, so you're, you're, you're just having to, we talk about reboot the system, uh, you know, this year for, for our program. I think we're going to see over the course of time in the next few years, there's a lot more uh, kind of restart uh, on a year-to-year basis. And, and uh, you know, now it's in, in every sport. You know, in, in the past, you know, I've talked with our basketball coaches here at Charlotte over the years and, and during my time at Auburn. And, and you know, they, they – I think they were the front runner with the transfer portal with the number of kids, but now a lot of the other sports are starting to catch up and you're starting to see a lot more movement throughout college golf uh, with, with guys moving from school to school. Yeah, Ryan Hipple's done a great job with it. Uh, he always grabs a good one every single year, it seems like, at Oklahoma. But you mentioned Auburn. You coached at the women's level. You've coached at Auburn. This is your 13th season. I was teasing you before we uh, started the podcast. What keeps you motivated after all these years? What keeps you going? Yeah, I think the, the kids will always be the, the motivator and, and being able to see young men come into our program, whether it be those transfers that maybe you only have one year with, or maybe it is the incoming freshman and you know you're going to have a four-year career uh, to, to help kind of mold them and, and ultimately be a part of their life as much as uh, on, on a personal level, as much as it is on a golf level. Uh, so I think that's the thing that, that still – kind of motivates me on a day-to-day basis of how can I have a positive impact on the young men in our program each and every day. Uh, and, and yes, that's helping them become a better wedge player or manage their game a little bit better. But at the same time, it, it's helping them kind of negotiate and, and kind of understand life uh, as a, whether that's a college freshman or maybe it's a, a senior who's getting ready to, to turn professional and, and kind of go out into the, to the real world, so to speak. Uh, but I, I still get excited and I still enjoy the opportunity each day. Um, you know, I was thinking about it this morning that, you know, we didn't play very well in, in Knoxville, but, you know, rather than, you know, get caught up into what we didn't do correctly, let's get caught up into, okay, how can we help these guys get better? Uh, you know, it's not about what's wrong. It's about how can we make it right? Uh, and so I, I still receive and, and feel great motivation uh, in, in trying to do that and, and having a, a positive impact on these guys. Absolutely. Well said. But biggest adjustments you've had to make probably in the, the years you've been doing this, one of the biggest, couple of the biggest adjustments? I would say initially uh, from a recruiting perspective, uh, it was, um, you know, I felt like, oh, well, I'll just go to Charlotte and recruit the same way uh, that we recruited at Auburn. Um, and, and there are certain things that I still do exactly the same way uh, and, and things that I've learned that, you know, whether it's, 
you know, Brennan Webb is doing it at Tennessee or Nick Kleinert is doing it at Auburn now or whatever. So I'm always trying to learn with those things. But at the same time, I had to put my stamp on Charlotte golf uh, because this program is different than, uh, than, than the program at Tennessee or the program at Auburn or, or whatever it might be. And so I think that unique, I guess, program personality, I think each coach has to, whether it be recruit, whether it be coach, motivate the kids, uh, each guy has to do it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, Ryan Hibble uh, probably does it a little bit differently uh, than, than a guy like Scott Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both are very successful at what they do. So I, I think how can I put my stamp on our program here at Charlotte? And it took a little while to, to kind of transition into that. Uh, and being a first-time head coach, you know, 13 years ago, uh, played a part in that as well. But uh, you just try to keep getting better you know, every day and continue to learn as a coach the same thing that we do and, and the same thing that we ask uh, each of our players to do uh, as they come in and kind of transition into college golf. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you got to be true to yourself in the long run. You can't be somebody you're not. I think that's true in life, whether you're coaching or whatever you're doing, but for sure. But you coach or you recruit, excuse me, internationally, and you've had some pretty good success. Uh, for folks watching the Walker Cup a week or so ago, you saw Connor Goff uh, play at the St. Andrews and Man, that dude's – I became a fan quickly uh, of him. I know his brother John played for you. Well, that's, I got. I know you got a story on his brother John, but uh, uh, how cool was it to have now two brothers represent the GB&I and Charlotte uh, playing on the Walker Cup? Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, they're such great people. Uh, Mom and Dad are amazing. Uh, the family – I mean, we talk about why I do what I do and how I continue to stay motivated – it's, it's with people like Connor Goff and people like John Goff and, and their mom, uh, you know, uh, Fidelma and, and, and their dad, Patty. Uh, they're just beautiful people. And, and you know, obviously you, you watch and you can see the personality uh, that, that comes out. Uh, and, and I'm just so proud of him and, and, and proud of Connor. But it's been an absolute uh, joy to, uh, to, to coach the, the two of them and, and, again, to play just a small role. Uh, in in their life and 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 hopefully in in their success and continued success uh, that that they're going to have. But uh, that uh, it's it's people like the 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 Goff brothers uh, that make this job fun. And uh, looking forward to continuing to see Connor progress here in our program. And and now John's turned professional and and uh, is out uh, you know playing playing in the real world as we talked about. Yeah, Connor, I mean, is he always that fired up? I mean, because he just, I mean, if you didn't like the kid, you just, you, there was something wrong with you. Is he always kind of that fired up? Or I'm sure the Walker Cup brings the, the, that out of you too as well. Kind of, I guess, my growth as a coach or things that I've done differently, uh, I'll give John Goff a lot of credit for that. Uh, John came in in 2016. He was the class of 2016, so I'd been here for a few years. And, and he was a little bit fiery. Um, you know, as, as he would call it at times, he would get into the red mist. Uh, (laughs) that's the way he would describe it, you know, and, and, and I, it took me a little while to understand, okay, this is just the way he's wired. So I can't try to kind of put boundaries around him with that. Uh, he, he wasn't doing anything that was ever going to embarrass himself or embarrass our program. He just had a passion, uh, you know, for the game and, and, and a fiery, competitiveness uh may very well be the most competitive person that i've ever coached 
uh, and uh, and we saw a little bit of that, you know, at the Walker Cup, obviously with the with the hole out, and and uh, you know, I got a little chuckle when I see him trying to get the crowd excited, and he's so golf smart. I think he understood what was going on on Sunday in those singles matches, and he was just trying to do what was best for his team to try to create a little bit of momentum around the golf course to maybe head off a little bit of the momentum that the American team was starting to build up in those singles matches. But, um, no, he, he is, um, yeah, I, I tell John, thank you a lot for making me a better coach and not just because of the scores that he shot. It was the day-to-day stuff that I learned to help myself become a better coach, uh, having coached John and, and spent, you know, five years with him. Uh, we were, we were fortunate. He used the COVID year as well and came back for his fifth year. Yeah, you know, you got brothers, they kind of live off, they kind of learn from each other. The little brother takes a lot of the stuff the big brother does. Hopefully he takes the good stuff, throws away the bad stuff. I know with my brother that was probably true. But uh, funny story with John uh, and Johnson Wagner, my colleague at Golf Channel, you were playing at uh, Quail Hollow, and, and Johnson, of course, was a tour player, and you got uh, this little college player, and you had a pretty cool story, uh, them kind of giving it back at each other. Yeah, John, uh, it was John's first year, and we go down to play Quail. This was probably November, so John's been over, you know, for just a few months. Um, and and as John is not the, uh, the the tallest player that I've ever coached. <laughs> uh, I'll just say that. And so uh, we get down there, and he's playing with the tour player and, and Johnson Wagner, and, and John hits it past uh, Johnson on the first hole, and he hits it past him off the tee on number two uh, there at Quail. And as they're driving off, and keep in mind now, they've only known each other for you know 30 minutes they spend a little bit of time on the range and then they hop in a cart and off they go and uh, and and john makes the comment of johnson am, am i just going to drive it past you all day and and johnson and the beautiful personality that he has he snaps right back at john and says john are you going to be that tall all your life <laughs> and and at that point they kinda, they kind of chuckle and they laugh and then you know like i said john was here for five years and and the number of times we were able to go down and play with johnson at quail uh, we, we were never down there that the two of them weren't in the same group. And as John would describe it, uh, they, they had a lot of banter uh, going back and forth uh, between the two of them. And uh, just uh, we, had, we had looked into the opportunity uh, for a possible exemption into the event this year at, at Quell Hollow. And, and, and Johnson uh, was willing to help out any way that he could with that. Just two, two beautiful personalities, two wonderful uh, men and and uh, it was always a lot of fun to go down and, and uh, spend some time watching the two of them play golf with one another for sure yeah it looks like he passed a few of those uh, traits down to little brother connor by uh, the main that's a good thing that's a positive thing but your assistant austin king uh, took over at western kentucky uh, now you've got assistants going on to becoming head coaches that's not saying you've been there a long time in coaching but it may have but uh uh, what's it like when you get a coach that has coached under you and now becomes a head coach? That's kind of a cool thing, knowing that you've passed on some things and, and they're continuing on in coaching. Well, the, the first thing it made me realize is I'm getting old. Uh, that, <laughs> that, was the, that was the biggest thing. When, when you start seeing the, uh, the, the young up-and-coming assistant coaches and now they're running uh, the, their own program, but you know, it, it, oh, more so than that, uh, it was just an excitement level. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like with our assistant coaches, it's, it's really like the, the players that come through our program. We're hoping that we're just preparing them for life after college. Uh, and in the case of an assistant coach, it's preparing them for, for that, that head job. Uh, and, and Austin is, uh, first and foremost, uh, he, he's an amazing person. Uh, one of the greatest people that, that I've ever met. Uh, he does things the right way. He works hard. 
Uh, he's going to do a terrific job there at Western Kentucky. Uh, and I'm just excited for him. And, and uh, you know, I hope that it, it speaks a little bit to the quality of our program and, and what we're doing here uh, to, to see a guy like Austin who was with us uh, in our program as an assistant and then take that next step to be a head coach. And, and he's going to do a tremendous job. And, and, uh, and, and he's going to do things the right way. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to watch his career and, and uh, watch it continue to, to progress. And, and uh, maybe we, we talk about John and, and Connor Goff. Maybe I can feel a little bit like a big brother uh, as Austin goes out. And, and now Kyle Cornelius, uh, our assistant that came to us from, from Troy, uh, and I expect that he's going to do the same thing. He, he's a hard worker and, and, again, does things the right way. And He's going to have his opportunity soon enough, and, and then uh, everything will kind of come full circle with that. Uh, but uh, been fortunate to have some really, really good assistant coaches and, and uh, always excited uh, in this case for, for Austin to get that first head job and, and, and will feel the same way when, when Kyle has his opportunity one day. Yeah, it's it's important to have a good assistant because I'm not saying y'all don't work because you do. I know what the job uh, entails, but man, the assistant job really has a lot of details and they work really hard, and they're not getting rich doing it. And eventually, hopefully, they get on to be their their own coaches. So I know that's a big impact. But tell us about the team and uh, maybe the goals, expectations uh, for the fall, and then maybe the whole season. Yeah, I think for for these guys, we have four incoming freshmen, and then we do have a, a transfer that came in. So you know, from uh, the, the past few years when we were only losing one, maybe two guys at the most uh, for the past few years. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've got a roster of 10 guys and, and five of them are, are brand new, um, you know. And, and so there, there will be a little bit of a transition time there. Uh, I think it's just a matter of how quickly uh, can we kind of get these guys up to speed. Uh, there's not a lot of differences in, in junior golf and, and college golf, but at the same time, there are some differences there, and, and some of these freshmen saw that in Knoxville, you know, the other day with, you know, maybe it's the length of the rough or, you know, you don't see too many 494-yard par fours uh, in, in junior golf. So uh, it's just a matter of kind of helping them, um, you know, kind of speed up the process as much as we can. Um, you know, there, there's times that you, you really can't speed it up. They just have to kind of learn at, at their own pace uh, with, with certain things. Uh, you know, as far as expectations and goals, um, you know, I, I feel like for us, we the, the program doesn't change. Uh, the, the names and the faces change, and we kind of plug in different pieces. But, you know, we, we want to make sure that the core values and, and the culture of our program remain the same. Uh, and, and that's ultimately in an effort to just get better every day. And, and let's see what we can learn from week one. Uh, and, and get ready for Duke coming up in, in a couple of weeks and, and see if we can play better there than we did in Knoxville. And then we'll do the same thing. And, and hopefully if, you, uh, if we repeat that enough times throughout the course of the year, uh, you know, by the time we get a little bit further into the season, uh, we, we've turned into a pretty good golf program. How do you make your schedule? Because I've always fascinated. How far in advance do you all know where you might? Because a lot of it's invitation, as you mentioned. Sometimes you go to the same tournaments. A lot of coaches go all over the country if they can afford to do it in case their regional goes to California or a Michigan or wherever. How, how do you make that schedule and how far in advance do you know um, maybe for the upcoming season? The, the majority of the events are about one year in advance. Um, you know, so we know for sure we're already going back to Knoxville next year, even though we just finished that event. So, so that one is in there. Once we play Duke, I expect the invitations will start coming out. Uh, so we kind of know um, about a year in advance. 
uh, as to where we're going to be playing the, the next year. Uh, and then we'll kind of finalize that schedule uh, basically right after NCAAs. There might be a, a spring event or something like that late in the year that we're still working to kind of finalize, uh, you know, our number of playing days and, and things like that. And then, you know, for me personally, I'm sure maybe some coaches do it a little bit differently. Uh, but for me, I want to try to make sure that our guys are having the opportunity to play in different areas around the country uh, for exactly what you said. Uh, you know, last year we were out in Palm Springs knowing that there was a chance uh, that we might be going to, to San Jose for an NCAA regional and then hopefully, uh, you know, getting out to Greyhawk for the NCAA final. So you want to give them that opportunity to, to kind of travel cross country, get accustomed to, to that type of golf, to that type of travel, things like that. Uh, we want to try to make sure that we're getting to, to different areas of the country uh, in terms of grass types and, and things. You know, we played at Inverness last year, uh, you know, so completely different type of golf, <clears throat> excuse me, than what we're going to see out on the West Coast. Uh, and then the, the biggest thing for me, in addition to making sure we're getting to different areas of the country, is making sure we're competing against the best teams in the country to find out you know, we, we got we got hit pretty good by, by Tennessee and, and Ole Miss and some other teams over there in Knoxville. Uh, I, you know, Jim, I've never been afraid to lose to figure out exactly where we are, um, you know, whether that be really close to being really good or whether that be far away from being good. Uh, but, but I think the kids, we owe it to the kids to compete against the best to give them an exact idea of exactly where they stack up, not only as a team but also as individuals. You know, if these guys want to play professionally, they need to be playing against the best amateurs in the world week in and week out to find out where they stack up. And and uh, like I said, sometimes you find that you're you're pretty good and, and you're getting close to some of the best teams in the country. At other times, you kind of get hit over the head a little bit and you you figure out we got to get back and and, uh, and and do some work and and get a lot better as quickly as we can. How do you keep them from getting discouraged? You know, when you have a bad week or two, and it happens to the top teams. I've seen it happen. They get in mini slumps or whatever you want to call it. How do you keep them from getting discouraged? And, and of course, they feel like they're working hard, but it becomes mental over the uh, physical part. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, for me as a coach, I'm, I'm a big believer that each team is going to, number one, it's going to take on its own personality. Uh, but at the same time, they're, they're most likely going to take on the personality of the coach. And so I think just through continuing to communicate with them, uh, that, that message that, that I had just shared that, hey, it, it's not the end of the world to, to find out that you're not quite there against the, the top five teams or the top ten teams in the country that might be. Uh, now let's get back to work and figure out how what, what was the difference uh, for, for those teams in that particular week compared to us and how can we get better to go on. So it's not as much looking at the result as much as, why was the result what it was, and then how do we now, whether it be if we had success one week, how can we widen the gap between us and other teams, uh, and then if we if we didn't play particularly well, now how can we kind of narrow that gap between those teams? Uh, because ultimately, if uh, if you're going to advance to now Lacosta uh, Greyhawk for the, the past few years, but Lacosta moving forward, uh, you're going to have to beat those teams when when you get to an NCAA regional, uh, and so. I think it's important to see that measuring stick. You might not always like what the measuring stick's showing you, uh, but uh, you, you just kind of keep your head down and, and, and keep fighting and, and keep working to continue to get better.
Yeah, and I, th- I think my friend VJ Trolio says it best. You get too uh, focused in on the result, and you don't stay in the process. And if you stay in the process, eventually it'll pay off. I think that's the, the challenge. But uh, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, uh, good luck the rest of the fall. I always like to say, whether life or golf, you may only have one shot. you got to make it count. You're sure making it count with a lot of young men over there in Charlotte. And uh, we appreciate you being with us. And good luck, and uh, stay in the process, brother. Thank you so much. Always enjoy spending time with you and I look forward to catching up soon. Well, that was great to have Ryan Cabbage uh, on the podcast. Of course, it always gets confusing when you get brothers out there. John played, uh, of course, uh, in the 2019 Walker Cup. Uh, was a fabulous player, now playing professionally. Connor uh, Goff, his, uh, his younger brother, just finished up at the Walker Cup at St. Andrews. So um, that was a great conversation hearing the stories about and maybe how John and, and Connor, you know, how the big brother maybe passes that on and, and just some of the things that he's done at Charlotte uh, uh, to be successful and maybe pass that on as he goes into professional golf. And, and just uh, really great to catch up with Ryan. He's one of the good guys. He understands coaching. He's been around coaching a long time and does a great job. But uh, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, appreciate Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. Uh, don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's still available on Amazon, written by BJ Trolio. And uh, hopefully uh, you've enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe, like I said. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another uh, great podcast. But appreciate you being with us. Until next time, I'm Jim Gallagher. Y'all have a good one. What would-